Hi, and thanks for listening to another audio podcast from Creekside Community Church, Narangba, Queensland. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.creekside.org.au. We wrap up this series with a quick little game of charades. Anybody like playing charades? Raise your hand if you like charades. You'll understand why we're playing charades here in just a moment. I've got four volunteers that I've asked. Freddie, if you'd come up. Where's Janine? Janine is out there somewhere. Janine, Olivia, and uh, where's Ruben? Ruben around? Ruben, okay. So, Freddie, if you could take that section of the audience. Janine, you're in front of this section, Olivia, and then Ruben, if you take that far section of the audience, I'm going to give them a, a, uh, a little phrase, and then we're going to play this quick game of charades where you as an audience... With your person, don't cheat, okay? And look at somebody like Freddie who's got ridiculous acting skills, okay? And try to guess from Freddie's ridiculous acting skills. So don't look over there. Don't cheat. We're in, we're in church. Of all places, you wouldn't want to cheat. It would be in church, okay? So uh, make sure you just look at the person in front of you and make sure the person in front of you doesn't say anything. You have to act it out. You're not allowed to say anything. Go ahead and put the clue in your pocket when you've read it and... Um, Here's what's on the line. You guys think we're just doing this for like for, for kicks. There is a family movie pass on the line, okay? A family movie pass, so that's two, two kids, two adults. This will be helpful for Freddie down the end, who's looking for somebody to create a family. And um, so, Freddie, this is for you. I did this for you, mate, so that maybe somebody in the audience, who knows who's here today, would say, wait a second, Freddie got a family movie pass. I might like to go and introduce myself to Freddie. So it's possible, Freddie, that I just changed the trajectory of your life, mate. It's possible, okay? You guys, we're going to give you about a minute or less, actually 30 seconds, and just, oh, by the way, you've just got to yell it out, okay? Because I'm the only one kind of judging which section of the audience gets it first, so just yell it out. If you grew up in one of those churches where you just had to sit quietly, I I hate to break it to you, you, you came to the wrong church. Because uh, we, we don't, as you can tell already, Shane, just a moment ago, the guy that was leading us up the front, I thought he was going to break out in the, like the Bon Jovi overhead clap. You remember from the 80s? Some of you grew up in the 80s. You know what I'm talking about. So you came to that kind of church. So just yell it out, okay? Just yell it out. Ready, set, go. Oh, we got it over here. Freddie. Freddie. Freddie, show us, show us the Mufasa again, please. Show us. Come on. That was impressive. Yeah, the circle of life. Freddie, there you go, a family pass. You can take out some, somebody, you know. Just, are there any ladies that would like to go to the movies with Freddie? Any, any single ladies? All the single ladies, yeah, okay. Hey, so glad that you chose to be with us today. This morning, we're going to take a look at a story. We're going to take a look at a story where Jesus was trying to give some hints to somebody as to who he was. And as we go through the story, you're going to discover that this person wasn't really catching on, okay? Before we get to that, though, if you are brand new to Creekside or maybe brand new to church, I want to catch you up on where we've been in this series because you're actually coming in on the last part of the series. Next week, we start a brand new series. I'll mention something about that a little bit later on. But today, we're wrapping up this series called Come and See, 
that we've been in for the last couple of weeks. And so if you're here and you, you haven't been a part of it for the last couple of weeks, that's totally fine. You can do a couple of things. You can go to our website, creekside.org.au, and you can listen to the podcasts of these messages and you can catch up with what we're talking about today. But I'm going to do a really quick review of this series that we've been in so that everybody's on the same page this morning. So the series title is Come and See. And this comes from a simple invitation. These three words were the invitation that Jesus gave to the very first followers in the first century, two guys, Andrew and Philip, who were the first two followers of Jesus. So back when Jesus had zero followers, he used this simple invitation, come and see, to invite people to come and follow him, two guys, Andrew and, and Philip were the first two ones to accept the invitation, and they went on a little journey with Jesus. And what they discovered, what they discovered very early on, is that the goal of Christianity, the goal that Jesus had for them, was this not to necessarily explain something, but more important, the goal was for people to experience someone meaning to experience Jesus. And like we said in week one of this series, we landed the plane with this idea that Jesus needs to be experienced, not just explained. Jesus needs to be experienced, not just explained. And all of us have had, you've had this experience. If you've been following Jesus for any length of time, you've, you've seen this happen. You've experienced this. You're trying to explain to somebody what your relationship with the God of the universe looks like through his son, Jesus, who doesn't walk on the earth today, and you're like, nah, I don't know how to explain this to you. You've just got to experience it for yourself. Now, we take this simple idea, this come and see concept, and we use some different words here at Creekside. We call it this, invest and invite. That's what we call it, invest and invite. Simply to say, we want to use the invitation that Jesus used at the very beginning, those three words, come and see. We want to invite people to do the same thing. Andrew and Philip, those first two guys, they went out and found Peter and Nathaniel, and they invited them to come and see and experience Jesus. We use that same concept, but what we learned last week is we focused in on this idea of investment, not just the invitation, come and see, but investment. We learned this simple lesson. That our invite works best when we start with invest. You've experienced this probably in your life. If you've been following Jesus for any length of time, you meet somebody for the first time, they find out you're a churchgoer, and they're kind of like, oh, you go to church, some kind of awkward conversation. And all of a sudden you realize, hey, if I invite them to church right now, they, I have no credibility with this person. They don't know me. They don't understand how much I care about them. And so we, we learn very quickly that our invite works best when we start with invest. We said it like this last week. We said that if people don't like what they see in us, they won't ever come and see with us. That person that you work with, the person that your neighbor's with, that person maybe even in your family, the reality is if they don't like what they see in us, if they don't see us investing in them because we really care about them, not because they're some project of ours, but because they're a passion of ours, then they'll never decide to come and see with us if we don't first allow them to see how much we care what's in us. Today, we're going to take a look at this story, Jesus' interaction with this person, where he's trying to give them some hints as to who he was. And my goal 
And this is an audacious goal. And some of you maybe are going to push back and say, that's impossible, Jay. There's no way you can accomplish that in the next 20 minutes. My goal is that by the end of our time today, you would walk out knowing who you should be investing and inviting, when you should invest and invite, and how and why it's so important. That's my goal. And you're going to say, Jason, that's impossible. 20 minutes, really? You're going to tell us who we should be inviting? You're going to tell us when we should and why it's so important? Is that even possible to do in the next 20 minutes? That's my goal through this story is that you would walk out today, especially if you're a follower of Jesus, and you'd say, I know who it is. I know when I should be inviting them. And I know why it's so important. Now, some of you maybe are here today, and you're going to be listening as we we talk today, and you're going to be wondering to yourself. I'm just going to tell you right now. You're going to be wondering, because somebody actually invited you here. You're going to be wondering, wait a second. Is that why they invited me? Really? Am I some sort of a project that they were working on? And so because of that, they invited me to come to church. Here's what you need to know up front. If you're brand new to the whole church experience, and if somebody invited you and that's why you're here, maybe it was months ago or maybe it was just this week you decide to come today, I want you to know, I hope you don't miss this. As you leave today, I hope you leave with one thought. You are not someone's project. You are someone's passion. That's why they invited you. Not because you're someone's project, you are someone's passion, and the person that invited you probably is incredibly passionate about you, and that's why they invited you. You're not someone's project, you're someone's passion. Now, we started this series with Jesus inviting four guys to go on a little journey with him, and I'll show you back on the map where we started, where they were at. They were down here around Jerusalem in this area called Judea, which is the part of Israel where the Bible is written, especially the New Testament, the second half of the Bible is written. Most of the events happened around this area. He invited them to go on a journey up to this area called Galilee. And remember the story that Jesus, on his way to Galilee, they stopped into this little place for a wedding called Cana. Jesus had that first miracle where he turned water into wine. People started to discover who Jesus really was. Then Jesus invited these four guys to go on a little family reunion over to Capernaum up here on the lake, hung out with Jesus' family for a little while. Then the the feast, the Passover feast was about to happen. And so Jesus said, hey, we got to head back down to Jerusalem so that we can celebrate Passover with everybody else in the Jewish religion down in Jerusalem. So they went down for Passover in Jerusalem. And then Jesus began to create quite a following through the miracles he was doing, mostly healing people, a lot of feeding of people. And so because of that, thousands of people, literally thousands of people started following him. So much so that the leaders, the religious leaders of that area began to wonder about Jesus. In fact, Jesus found out that they were talking about him and all of the people that were following him. And so he decided that he needed to leave Jerusalem and head back up to Galilee. And he invited a few of his followers to come with him on the journey. So this is the second time they're leaving Jerusalem, heading up to Galilee. They're heading up to Galilee, and they have to go through Samaria. And where we pick up the story today is about halfway along in the trip. It's the middle of the day. In fact, John, Jesus' best friend, records this story for us. And John records that it was the middle of the day. It was noon. So you can imagine it is the... The height of the day as far as heat is concerned, it is super hot, middle of the day. These guys are getting hungry, 
And so they go into this little town called Sica right here in the middle of the screen to go and get some food. Jesus decides, because he's been so overwhelmed by the crowds that he's been teaching and that he's been leading, because he's a little bit overwhelmed by this journey, he decides to head off to a well right outside the town of Sicker to get some rest, to kind of break away from the crowd, to get some rest and to get a cool drink of water right in the middle of the day. That's where we pick up the story that his best friend John recorded for us this morning. While he's at the well, Jesus is there trying to get away from the crowds, trying to get a cold drink just to rest and chill out for a little bit. Then all of a sudden, John records for us that right then, a Samaritan woman came to draw water from the well. Now, here's the importance of of what you need to understand about this time of day. It's the heat of the day, and so people wouldn't typically go to the well to get water out of the well in the middle of the day. That was something that you did in the cool of the evening or first thing in the morning, but you certainly wouldn't go to the well in the middle of the day. That's why Jesus was kind of hoping that he might be able to get away from the crowds. Nobody would be over at the well because that's not the typical time of day when people would go and draw water. But a Samaritan woman shows up at the well and she's come to draw water. Now that shouldn't be too big of a problem, okay? Because as the story goes on that Samaritans and and Jewish people wouldn't interact with each other. And so history would tell us that that shouldn't be a problem. Jesus can chill out at the well and the Samaritan woman probably won't say anything to him and he really wasn't obligated to say anything to her. So that shouldn't be a problem. But this is Jesus. Jesus doesn't do what typical people do. He doesn't do what the culture says that he should do. And so John records for us that when the Samaritan woman showed up at the well, Here's what happened. Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Now, typically, kind of like at the water cooler at the office, you know, a place where you get a little bit of cold water and people show up and, and you, you say something to them like, hey, how's your day going? And you, it's that guy from accounting and you should know his name, but you don't remember his name. And so you're just like, hey, how's it going? And, and then they just go on their way. Typically, that's what would have happened. But Jesus actually engages this woman, which I'm sure she was mortified about, Because as John goes on to tell us, she was shocked by this question because the woman said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Because Jews don't associate with Samaritans. Now, some of you think because you've been reading the Bible for a long period of time, you you understand the context that, hey, Jewish people... They don't interact with Samaritan people, kind of like people on the north side of Brisbane. When they're going to the Gold Coast, they try to avoid Logan. They drive around it, you know, like all that. I I get it. You think that's kind of like the comparison, okay? But here's the reality. You may not understand this. That's not the situation with Jews and Samaritans. If you understood the history, you would understand that these people hated each other. There were generations of Samaritans that had literally been killed off, wiped out because of Jewish people. And the fighting between the two groups, everybody knew about the hatred and the animosity of the two people. It wasn't like you avoided a part of the city when you were driving to the other side. This is the kind of hatred that people wouldn't speak to each other about that was generations old. So when Jesus reached out to this woman and said, will you give me a drink of water? She would have been stunned that Jesus even spoke to her because not only was she a Samaritan, 
But in the first century, men didn't speak to women that way. Not only was she a Samaritan, but she was a Samaritan woman. So this is just, in all sorts of ways, not right what's happening at the well. Then Jesus begins, I think, in some ways to play a little bit of charades with her. He starts giving her some hints as to who he really is. Not only did he break all sorts of rules by talking to her, but now he starts giving her some hints as to who he really is. Jesus says to the Samaritan woman, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. It's like Jesus gives her the first clue. Hey, here's the first clue. I'm not just any old guy at the well that you've showed up to draw water from the well and all of a sudden he's asked you for a drink. Jesus gives her a clue into who it is that he really is. And then the lady responds, and I I think she responds in a way that's kind of cheeky, to be honest with you. (laughs) Listen to the question that she asks him. She says, sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. I almost imagine she kind of chuckles like, I don't know what you're thinking, but that's a deep well, and you've got nothing to get water out of the well with. And then she goes on even further. She says, where can you get this living water from that you speak of, this so-called living water? Because you've got nothing to get water out of this well with that's so deep. And then an even more cheeky statement, I think, are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? In other words, I think the Samaritan lady is basically saying, who do you think you are? (laughs) You show up at the well, you've got nothing to draw any water out of the well from, but yet you're claiming that you can give me something called living water? And Jesus answers her and gives her yet another hint into who it is that he claims to be. Jesus says, he answered and he said, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, talking about the water in the well, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up, here's the second clue, welling up to eternal life. Clue number two. Jesus is trying to give this lady a couple of hints, a couple of clues into who it is that he is claiming to be. And I imagine at this moment, they're having this conversation at the well, that maybe Jesus is laying down next to the well, or maybe he's sitting there next to the well. And I wonder if this question didn't come into his mind. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Are you paying attention? Like, I'm trying to give you some hints here. I'm trying to give you some clues. But I don't know if you're picking up on what I'm putting down. Have you ever had that experience? You're trying to explain something to someone or you're trying to let them know maybe it's a person that just showed up to the place that you work and perhaps you're the boss. Maybe you're the one that owns the company and this new employee is there on their first day and you're kind of giving them some hints that you're the owner of the company and they're just not picking up on the fact that you own the place that they work at. Their paycheck, it comes from your bank account. And they're just not picking up what you're putting down. I think Jesus might have had that question running through his mind. 
But then the lady, I think, begins to start understanding just a little bit who Jesus was claiming to be. John continues. He says, the woman said to Jesus, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. If there's water that will last forever, and if the people that drink from it are never thirsty again, then I'd like some of that water. I think she's starting to maybe pick up a little bit of what Jesus is putting down. But then Jesus goes and does something that's completely crazy. This is one of those moments when, if you've got kids, you know what I'm talking about. This is one of those moments when you're out maybe at the shopping center or you're over at someone's house and your kid starts to tell a story and you're going, oh no, oh no, I... (laughs) Let's not tell that story. That's like a family story. We don't tell that story to other people. You know that experience? Come of you are like, you've, you've kicked your kid underneath the table at lunch before at someone's house because they were starting to tell that story. That's what Jesus begins to do as he wants to give her yet another hint into who he is. Jesus, he told her, go call your husband and come back. Some of you know this story. And you're thinking to yourself, yeah, I can't believe Jesus is bringing up the husband thing. Are you kidding me, Jesus? Of all the things to give her hints into who you really are, you bring up the husband thing with this woman. Really? Jesus is trying to explain to this woman who he really is. And he says to her, go and get your husband. Then the lady responds. She says, I have no husband. And then Jesus continues with the story. This is the moment that you're like, okay, Jesus, time out. Don't keep going with the story. This is not going to go well if you keep going down this road with this woman. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He says to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. Which at this point, this would be a great time for Jesus to go time out, done with the story. I'm just going to tell you who I am. I'm just going to tell you. I'll let you in on who I am. But Jesus, he doesn't do that. Jesus says to the woman, not only are you right when you say that you have no husband, but he goes on to say, the fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. At this point, this is the moment that I think possibly the penny dropped For this woman at the well. All of the sudden Jesus. Has gone to her deepest. Deepest secret. All of the sudden Jesus knows exactly why she's at the well at noon. And not some other time of the day. And I think in that moment. This woman. Began to understand exactly who Jesus was. See here's what we can learn from this conversation. We can learn this that. While she had no clue at the well, Jesus saw a clue into her life at the well. See, Jesus understood that people don't go to the well in the middle of the day. In the heat of the day, people go to the well at night or they go to the well in the morning when it's cool and they get their water for the whole day or they go at night when it's cool and they get their water for the whole next day. And so something wasn't right for her to come to the well at that time of the day. And although she had no clue who Jesus was at the well, Jesus saw a clue into her life at the well. Here's the clue that Jesus saw. Jesus saw that she was not well 
because things were not going well in her life. She was at the well at noon because things were not going well for her in her life. That's what Jesus saw at the well. Now, you may be wondering, Jason, is this the application? Is this what we do when we see things are not going well with people around us? We point out that they've had five husbands. Is that what we should do? That is not the application. If you're the son of God, that works really well, okay? But for us mere mortals, the application is not when we talk with somebody at work or when we're talking in the community or somebody that we go to uni with or someone that we're at school with, the application is not that we look into their deepest, darkest secrets and try to expose their lives to them. We leave that up to the Son of God. But here's what we can learn from Jesus at the well. Jesus was in tune with the clues of what was going on at the well. And when Jesus invites us to invest in people's lives, and to invite them to come and see. I believe that we can get a clue into who it is that we should be investing in and who we should invite to come and see when we pay attention to the clues. Here's a ridiculous little rhyming statement that I hope might help you remember this simple concept. We will see the who's when we look for the clues. Some of you know about Blue's Clues. Anybody knows about Blue's Clues, a little kid's show? When we look for the clues, that's when I think we'll begin to see the who's. When you're trying to figure out who is it that God is wanting me to invest my life in, who is God wanting me to invite to come and see Jesus or to come to church even, when we look for the clues just like Jesus did at the well, that's when I'm convinced we'll see who. As you came in today, you received a, a little piece of string. I want you to go ahead and take that out. Some of you have been wondering, why did we get this string? Some of you maybe didn't receive a piece of string. If you didn't get one, go ahead, raise your hand. We'd love to get you a piece of string so that everybody has a piece of string. We've got some guys, just keep your hand up nice and high. We've got some guys that are going to bring the string around. And I want to just give you three simple things that I think you can look for that are clues when you're having a conversation with someone that might be an indicator that they are the person that God is inviting you to invest your life in and perhaps even to invite to come and see. So these are the clues, the clues for who to invite. These are the clues for who to invite. And I want to give you three knots, okay, three knots. And I'm going to ask you, as I give you each of these knots, to go ahead and tie a knot in your piece of string. I'm going to grab a bigger piece of string so that you can see what I mean by this. And when I say knot, like, I know I'm, I'm just a pastor of a church, but I do know how to spell knot, not the other knot, okay? So, K-N-O-T, knot. I want you to go ahead and tie the first knot in your piece of string. Jesus, when he was at the well... He saw a clue in this lady's life that things were not going well for her. Some of you have had this experience at work, or maybe you've been out to coffee with a friend, or perhaps it's someone you go to school with, somebody in your community, and you've been in a conversation, and all of a sudden, they talk about something in their life that's not going well for them. Maybe it's something at work that's not going well for them. Maybe it's a parenting issue. They're trying to raise children, and it's just not going well for them. Maybe it's a relational thing. 
Maybe their spouse is not treating them the way that they want to be treated and their marriage is not going well for them. I think that idea, that clue of things not going well for someone is a great clue for you to invite them to just come and see. Come and see, come to church. They may even push back and say, well, wait a second, Jason, what does church have to do with my marriage? In fact, you shouldn't be inviting me to church. You should be inviting my spouse to church. They're the problem. I'm not the problem. They're the problem. Why are you inviting me to come and see? They're the ones that need to come and see. Or that boss at work that's driving them crazy and things are not going well. And they push back and say, I don't need church. You know who needs church is the idiot that I work for. That's who needs church. You might be able to respond to them in that moment and just say, hey, you know what? I, I don't know what it is that church might be able to help with. But here's what I know to be true in my experience. When things were not going well for me in my life, my relationship with Jesus has been a game changer for me. And I can't explain it to you, but I just want you to come and see. Because when things were not going well in my marriage or things were not going well for me at work or things were not going well when we were parenting, and just being a part of this church thing being a follower of Jesus was such a huge help to me. And so I just want to invite you. I can't explain what church is going to do for you. I can't explain what following Jesus might do for you. But, man, I know what it's done for me, and I just want to invite you to come and see. Here's the second knot. Go ahead and tie a second knot in your piece of string. Here's the second knot that I want you to listen out for. Another clue when you're having conversations with people. The second knot is simply this. They were not prepared for something. Maybe they're having a conversation with you and they're like, you know what? I just was not prepared for the transition that we're going through. I was not prepared for something that happened at work. Or I was not prepared for this new move that we've just made. Whatever it is, I'm not sure what it is in the conversation. Maybe it, it was they're not prepared for having their first child. I know for my wife, Kristen, and I, our oldest son is now 18 years old. I remember 18 years ago when we had our first child, we were not prepared for being parents, okay? I don't know what it is, but they should have some sort of course that you should go and get like a certificate level four in parenting before they allow you to bring a child, a human being, home from the hospital and expect that you could raise them into an adult. That's crazy thinking. And we were not prepared for being parents. And I'll never forget the church we were going to. I'm so grateful this older couple in the church, I think they saw the clues. Like us arriving to church like 20 minutes late every week, disheveled, poop everywhere. I think they saw the clues. And they said, there's a couple that's not prepared for parenting. And they invited us to join this thing called community group. And I remember saying to my wife, every single person in the community group is like 50 years or older. We got nothing in common with these people. How are we going to learn anything from them? That's a dumb 24-year-old talking because they had raised three or four children. We had a lot we could learn from them. I'm so grateful that when we were not prepared, they saw the clues and they invited us. You say, well, how, how does community group prepare you for parenting? You can't explain that. I don't know what it is, but doing life together with other people that have gone in the direction you're going in, it's a game changer. Here's the last knot. Go ahead and tie your third knot. The last knot is this. When you hear the clue 
that somebody is not connected. Maybe not connected relationally with people. Maybe not connected to a church. Maybe not connected in community. Maybe just not connected. That's a great clue to invite them to come and see. Hey, there was a time in my life when I wasn't connected to Jesus. I wasn't connected to a church. And for whatever reason, man, now I'm connected and I just, I'm so grateful for the connections that I have. That's a great clue. Man, we could spend the whole morning going on and on and on with all of the different clues. But I think these are three great clues for you to listen out for. That answers the question of who to invite. Now I want to answer the question of when to invite. I want to invite you to consider this. Every Sunday is the best Sunday to invite someone to church. Here's the reason why. Because on the wall in my office, there is this statement that every Sunday is someone's first Sunday. I want to give you a guarantee this morning. If you come to Creekside on a regular basis and you're thinking of inviting somebody to come to church, to come and see, and to experience Jesus... I want to give you a guarantee. Every single Sunday, the leadership of this church, we prepare every Sunday with that person in mind. Every single Sunday. There's not a single Sunday that you could invite someone that we haven't thought about the person that you're inviting. I guarantee it. Every Sunday we know is someone's first Sunday. And today, you may be here for the very first time and you look at the not going well and the not prepared for and the not connected to and you're asking yourself, did they think that things were not going well for me? Is that why they invited me? Did I look like I wasn't prepared for something? Is that why they invited me? It's probably just because you weren't connected to a church and so they thought, man, church has been a game changer for me. I'd love it to be a game changer for you. That's why they invited you. You didn't look like you weren't prepared for something or things weren't going well. But they're so passionate about you feeling connected. That's why they invited you. You need to know that every Sunday here at Creekside is the best Sunday to invite someone. And to explain to you why this is so important, I want to finish the rest of the story with the woman at the well. Here's what John records for us. Just then, his disciples returned And they were surprised to find him talking with the woman. But no one asked, what what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? I think these guys had spent enough time with Jesus to know. Jesus doesn't roll like the rest of society. All right? He does things differently. So we're not even going to ask, why is he talking with a woman, let alone a Samaritan woman? And then John continues the story. says this, that just then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Just like Andrew and Philip, the first thing they did was go find Peter and Nathaniel after they experienced Jesus. She literally left her water jar there and just took off to town to go and tell the people in town. Listen to what she said to them. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. And then this question, could this be the Messiah? I imagine the townspeople, when she came and said, hey, you got to come and see this guy. He told me everything I ever did. I imagine one of them maybe said, really? Husband number three? Did you talk about that story? (laughs) Really? Everything? He knew it all? That's crazy. And then she said, could this be the Messiah? Is it possible? The people were so intrigued. The story goes on that they came out of the town 
and they made their way towards Jesus. And then I love this part of the story. This is why it's so important that when we see the clue, that we go ahead and we invite that, invite that person. We go ahead and tell them about our experience. It says this, that many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony, because of her story, what they heard from her. And her story was that Jesus told her everything she had ever done. Many people believed simply because she told her story. And then John wraps it up and he says, So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed with them two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. We have now heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. See, here's the deal. You maybe can't explain to somebody everything that's in the Bible. You maybe can't explain to somebody what it means to have a relationship with God. You maybe don't have the best words to use to convince somebody that they should start following Jesus. But here's what I know to be true. Nobody can deny your experience with Jesus. Her story They could talk about all sorts of things. Really? Six days? God created the universe in in just six days? Is that possible? Really? A guy went into a fish and he lived there for three days and threw up and he's still alive? Really? The guy built a big boat, saved the world? That seems a little far-fetched. But nobody, nobody could deny the experience that this woman had had with Jesus. And no one can deny the story of your experience with Jesus either. That's why it's so powerful. That's why it's so powerful what this woman did when she explained her story to the people in the town. And that's why so many of them believed, not because she had some grand explanation as to who Jesus was. She simply told her story. So let me ask you this question. Hopefully you've got your three knots in your rope. I want you to look down at your three knots and I want you to Answer this question up here on the screen. Who came to mind when you tied the knot? Not the day that you got married. That's not what I'm talking about. But when you tied one of these knots today, somebody probably came to your mind. Things are not going well for them. Maybe they're not prepared for something. Or maybe they're just not connected to church or with other people that follow Jesus. Who came to your mind? Maybe today... You're here because somebody invited you. I hope you leave this morning understanding, just like the Samaritan woman understood, that Jesus needs to be experienced, not just explained. And maybe you're ready to experience Jesus. Maybe even today you say, you know what, Jason? I've been coming for a little while, and I've been thinking about this, and I've been kind of considering faith in Jesus, and I'd like to follow him, but I don't even know what that looks like. Maybe you're here today because you need to take a first step to experience Jesus. Maybe the explaining isn't enough, or maybe the explaining has been enough, and now you're ready to experience him. I want to give you an opportunity this morning to be able to do that in just a moment. Maybe you would like to experience Jesus, and today you're not quite ready to take a first step. I want to invite you to consider going to that thing we we talked about earlier today called Alpha. 
In just a moment after the service, I want to invite you to find me or somebody, one of the other leaders here at the church and say, hey, what, what's this alpha thing? Because I'd like to experience Jesus and I'd like to take a first step. I want to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. We're going to have a word of prayer and the band's going to come up in just a moment. We're going to sing a song and be dismissed. But maybe you're here today and you'd say, Jason, I've been listening to this all morning or I've been listening to this whole series. And man, I'd really like to experience Jesus. I want to invite you to just pray a simple prayer this morning that might be your first step to experiencing Jesus. There's no magic in the words that I'm going to pray. There's nothing special about the words. In fact, you can use your own words if you'd like to. You don't have to say it out loud. You can say it quietly just in your own heart and in your own mind. But you might want to just say something simple like this. Dear Heavenly Father, again, don't have to use my words. Use your own words. You might just say, hey, God, or dear Heavenly Father, I know that I have broken your law. I know I've broken your standard. I'm just a woman who, man, she knew she had messed up. Maybe you just say to God, hey, I know that I've messed up. I haven't kept your standard. Let, I haven't even kept my own standard, let alone your standard, God. There are things I wish I hadn't done, and I still did them. And God, I want to experience you. Just tell him that. God, I want to experience you. I can't explain it, God, but I know I want to experience you. Just say to him, God, thank you for sending Jesus. In your own words, just say, hey, God, thanks for sending Jesus. Thanks for Jesus dying on the cross so that I could have my sin forgiven. And then I would encourage you, I would encourage you just to say, God, I want to experience you. Would you come into my life, Lord Jesus? Forgive me of my sin. I want to experience you. And then just say, thank you, Jesus. I want you just to look this way for a second. And for those of you that are followers of Jesus this morning already, I want you just to imagine for a moment, just imagine for a moment what God will do if all of us were to start looking for the clues. Could you imagine if all of us in the room that are followers of Jesus, could you imagine what God could do with that if we all started looking for the clues as to who to invest in, who to invite to come and see? I'll tell you, I'm so thankful. I hope I don't get emotional telling this story, but I'm so thankful for two little old ladies in a place called Broomfield, Colorado, back in the 1950s. They got up one Saturday morning and they went around the little town, this little farming community. And they just knocked on people's doors and they went to this one door and they knocked on the door and the couple opened the door and they invited this, this couple who had two kids, two boys, a seven-year-old and a 10-year-old boy, Randy and Terry. And they said, would you like to come and see? Would you like to just come and see? Randy and Terry's parents 
were not prepared for parenting. They weren't prepared. And that was the clue. In fact, they were so grateful that they sent the boys off to church and they didn't go (laughs) so they could get their Sunday morning off. Those boys started going to church. They went to church so often that they won some awards and then Randy and Terry, they invited their parents to come to church and see. Their parents came to church and see and they began to experience what Jesus was all about. I'm so grateful for those two little old ladies who knocked on the door and just said, hey, come and see. Imagine what God will do if we begin to look for the clues into who. Those two boys grew up. That little boy that was seven, Randy, that's my dad. He went off to a Bible college. And then while he was at a Bible college, somebody said, hey, there's this country called Australia. My dad had never been there, had never even heard of it before. Went back to the house, told my mom, hey, we're moving to Australia. And in 1972, they landed in Australia, had never been here before. They've started a bunch of churches around the country. They were involved in a Bible college where dozens of churches from that Bible college have been planted. All because two little old ladies went to a door one Saturday morning and they just said, hey, come and see. Imagine what God will do if all of us begin to look for the clues. Imagine what he might be able to do. God, I pray that you would help us, those of us that are followers of you, in every arena of our lives to be constantly on the lookout for the clues into who you want us to invest our lives into and invite them to come and see. And so God, I pray that you would help us with this. This is not something we can do on our own. God, I pray that you'd help us with this. And I pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Would you stand with me as we sing together?